entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Business Builders Show. For those people who have listened and watched before, you already know who I am. My name is Marty Wolf, and I'm joined by my good friend. I don't want to say my old friend because that would infer that I'm or, or you are old. But Adam, we've known each other for a while. Adam Coffey, welcome to the show. Marty, good to be here. Hello to all your listeners out there. It's good to be back. I got to keep writing books and cranking them out faster so that I got I, you and I can catch up more often. Well, well, we can do this. You know, you don't have to write a new book. We can do this kind of regularly if you want. I'm telling you, I'm ready for that <laughs> anytime. Yeah. So uh, we are going to talk about Adam E. Coffey's latest book, which is titled Empire Builder. Subtitle is The Road to a Billion Empire Building, the Empire Builder, The Road to a Billion. So let me introduce Adam Coffey, Empire Builder, CEO coach, in-demand speaker, and three-time number one best-selling author, Adam Coffey, builds high-performance cultures that drive transformative exponential growth. A CEO for more than two decades, he has led three national private equity-backed service companies for nine private equity sponsors, completing 58 acquisitions and realizing billions of dollars in successful exits. Adam Coffey is a founder partner of CEO Advisory Guru, serving as a management consultant and independent director to private equity portfolio companies, family offices, and elite executives. Adam Coffey also, also wants to make sure you know that he is a proud U.S. Army veteran. So, Hoo Army <laughs> beat Navy. Life is good. <laughs> I was going to email you yesterday, but I didn't. I let it go. So, <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, and before we even launch, uh, I'll give a promotion to his other two books right away. Um, let's see, which one was first? The Private Equity Playbook. Was number one this morning. We're getting up to almost five years after I wrote that thing, and it still hits number one just almost just regularly. There's reasons for that. It is an excellent book, the Private Equity Playbook. The next one is the Exit Strategy Playbook. I have both of them right here. I use them. I refer to them all the time. And now we're going to talk about being an empire builder. So the first obvious question is, uh, maybe it's not always obvious, but uh, Adam, uh, who or what inspired you to write your latest book? So... Great question. You know, the private equity playbook was, you know, a subject specific book, private equity. What is it? How does it work? Why should I care? Exit strategy, all about entrepreneurs understanding the exit process. And so, you know, as I was thinking about book three, you know, my, my, my books, I've had canned, you know, ready to go outlines. And what's been happening is, is those are staying in a file folder on my computer. And as I'm working with people, I'm identifying common themes, common problems, and then wanting to solve them. And so it takes me off in a, in a tangent, if you will. So I still got yeah. two books, I'll call it, in the can you know, for, yeah. for later on. So there's going to be at least five. But M Empire Builder is about the journey. And you know, yeah. this came out of, I'll tell you that this, like all my books, started as a lecture, started as a seminar. So I had a 350-page uh, PowerPoint deck 
that I created over about a six month period. Yeah. It was my inaugural, you know, call it seminar that I gave in February of, of, of uh, 2023. So just this year earlier. Yeah. And as soon as, you know, I had live audience over 300 people from like 30 different countries. And as soon as I was done giving that seminar, I started writing the book. And so the book was a seminar first became then, you know, a, a book after that. But, but, you know, Marty, I w was just in doing research and, and thinking about life in general, you know, I was really struck by some facts and figures. And, and these are all from the U.S. government, Small yeah. Business Administration and, and, you know, websites and some of the other government um, resources that are out there. 33 million small businesses in the United States defined as 500 employees or less. Only 7% of, of entrepreneurs ever get to a million in revenue. And yeah. only, you know, 4% of the 7% get to 10 million in revenue. I'm talking about, a, you know, I'm a guy who's built billion dollar businesses. I'm trying to figure out why is it so hard to get out of the gates? Why is it so hard to build a successful business? And so that was really the focus. It was either you're an entrepreneur, you know, or a, a mid-career, call it, you know, executive MBA with a search fund looking for your first company to buy and yeah. you're starting from something small and you're trying to build an empire. And it's like I, I, I did research and, and just my own observations from having bought, you know, 58 companies over the years. You know, I wanted to try to, to write a book to try to help stack the odds in the favor of entrepreneurs who either are getting out of the gates with a business or buying something as a search fund. Or maybe they have a business, they've been in it for 10 years, but they're struggling. So let's let's yeah. stop, time out, deconstruct, take it apart, and yeah. uh, and get back to the basics that, that allow you to build then a scalable empire that, yeah. that really isn't limited. So the book goes through kind of zero, the first 100,000, you know, to a million, to 10 million, to 100 million, to a billion. And what are all the behavioral changes that take yeah. place? Yeah. I love the way you laid it out, obviously, and I'm going to mention something now that you do mention in the book, that no matter what size company you are or what size you want to be, there are lessons in here. So um, another great book, Adam, and of course you know that well, thanks, I did Marty. read it. Thanks, Marty. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. You know, uh, uh, NDA science, I, I can't disclose names, but you know, a, a billionaire with a very large service company that everybody in the country knows um, – you know, was was asking for my help, and you know, multiple CEOs had gone into this company and failed to uh, to fix it. Call it, and he's asking me, you know, what what why can't people get this you know get this right? And and I'm like, you know, they're trying to solve for world hunger. This was a multi billion dollar business. It's like I don't need to fix a multi billion dollar business. I need to fix one truck, one service call. You know, yeah. I need I need to get it. I need to get us profitable at the unit level. Once you figure that out, then you know everything. I can apply that to six thousand trucks, and yeah. you know lessons learned will 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 be helpful. So you're right. It doesn't matter what size business you have. Yeah. People are spending too much of their time, which is one thing we can't buy. And they're spending too much time struggling. So I wanted yeah. to help. Well, and you are, and you do, and so you jumped ahead to my question number 13 or whatever it was, and uh, you kind of jumped ahead, so we'll go deep on that. Um, you, in fact, say, unit, get the unit level pricing, or however you phrase it. Get that figured out. What does one cost you to do? How do you make profit on one? Uh, go a little deeper on that thought process, because I agree with you that that is where so many of them get locked up.
Go deeper. Well, so a lot, a, a lot of people start a business and they have no real, or they inherit a business or they buy a business and it's like, they don't have a plan, don't know where they're going, don't know how they're going to get there. I've had many entrepreneurs tell me, Adam, I'll figure out how to be profitable when I get bigger. And I'm like, no, that's the wrong time you know, to figure it out. Let's figure it out small. So I, I tell people that on any business, and this is applicable whether you're a product-based business, you're a service business, or you're a real estate investor, you know, we, we need to think about our business in terms of what is the unit level. So, and I call it unit level economics. We got to get our unit level economics right. And I, I apply something I call the 30-20-10 rule. So the 30-20-10 rule essentially is this. You know, I've got revenue. I need at least 30% gross margin, you know, in order to be able to pay less than 20% in SG&A and earn at least a dime, you know, dime on a dollar on the bottom. So let's take a couple examples. Um, if I'm a service business, so let's use, uh, you know, let's use plumbers. So I got a guy in a truck or a lady in a truck, they're a plumber, you know, and they're, they're, how much revenue can that truck produce in a month? How much does it cost me to pay for the fuel, you know, the, the operating expenses of the truck, um, the payment, if I've got a payment on the truck, how much does it cost to pay the salary, the benefits, you know, all of those things. So how much revenue can the unit level, in this case, a plumber and a truck, you know, in a, in a product-based business, it might be the thing I manufacture, you know, that's my unit level. And if I'm in real estate, hey, it's, you know, it's a single family home if I'm renting single family homes and it's one door if it's a multifamily housing apartment complex. So yeah. how much revenue do we get? What are the unit level costs to service the revenue that we're pulling in we better be producing at least 30% gross profit. If we're not, we either have to raise price or lower our cost to service that revenue. And so it really focuses on where my problem is in the business. Once I clear the 30% hurdle, then I want my SG&A or my back office expense, what I pay myself, how much it costs me to acquire a customer, answer a phone, to schedule, you know, to, to, to run the, the, the parts warehouse, you know, whatever I'm doing, you know, I need that to be 20% or less because I need to earn at least a dime on a dollar. If I can figure out the unit level economics and I can figure out the, you know, fr from there, I can figure out the revenue model to get to a million. How many trucks, how many plumbers do I need on the road to get to a million in revenue? And then I can build a capital expenditure model. How much do I need to be able to invest to generate that million, you know, in, uh, in revenue? How many trucks do I have to buy? You know, yeah. how, how many tool kits or whatever, you know, the, the, the case may be. And then now what I have is essentially I've created the smallest level unit level economic formula that I now need to replicate, you know, and build on and build on, you know, yeah. and so it's like, it's like, let's take something that is complex that only 7% of entrepreneurs ever achieve. And let's break it down to a very simple math formula. And if we can't get it right at the unit level, don't even try to scale. Keep focused yeah. on getting it right small. And if I if I buy a business or I have a business and I'm already, you know, at a million, two million, ten million, whatever that number is, do my unit level economics actually work? Am I producing 10 cents, you know, at the bottom? Yeah. 
You know, am I getting yeah. 30 cents at the top? And I, I personally use that to troubleshoot. You know, when, when a PE firm says, Adam, you know, will you please help me evaluate this service business? First thing I'm doing is I apply the 30-20-10 rule. I look at the unit level economics and I find out, do I have a viable business that's scalable? Because if it works small, it will get better as it gets bigger because I'll create operating leverage, you know, you buying Buying 50 trucks, I should get a better economic terms than buying one or buying six. So, you know, if it works small, I can actually make it work better as I'm getting bigger. But oftentimes, if it doesn't work small, it will never work when it's bigger. And, and so it's really, Marty, about teaching entrepreneurs kind of the successful ways to analyze a business, make it healthy, small. And then the rest of the book is all about scaling. How do, yeah. we, how do we scale? Adam, if we stopped right there, <laughs> if we said nothing else in this interview, that is the foundation to everything. And it is not that complex, really, folks. Most people start a business, they run it, they go for a year or two, they hire, they buy extra trucks, they don't know, uh, they have no idea what their costs are. Next thing you know, they owe the bank, they're behind in taxes, they owe the IRS because they didn't plan for anything. But don't get me on my high horse. It's all in the book. But let's even yeah. back up a little further because I want to, you know, I deal with a lot of small businesses. You yeah. preach very strongly that to have a, you start a business or buy a business that supplies what people need. Yes. Talk yes. to me more Thank about you. that. Explain Thank it. You. Yeah, let's back up. Let's back up to the <laughs> let's very, back very up, first maybe. part. Yeah, back up to the very first part of the book. You know, so, so um, you know, and I, I used an example from my real, you know, from, from my own personal real life. So Warren Buffett had this saying, you know, it's, it's like invest and, in, in, you know, don't invest in something you don't understand. I think that was his exact quote. And I remember sitting with my, my, my CIO, you know, I'm at Wash Multifamily Laundry. This is going back years ago. And he and I just took an inventory. So what do we know? And, you know, I'm going to run to this investment. I'm going to do this thing. And we were talking about this. And, and you know, I, I, I talked about what did I know about my life? Well, I knew that Amazon came to my house every day, comes to all my neighbor's houses, you know, multiple times a day. So I'm going to invest in Amazon. And uh, I go to Home Depot because contractors go to Home Depot, not Lowe's. Lowe's is for decorators. You know, guys who build things, we go to Home Depot. So unless your town doesn't have one and all you've got is Lowe's. So mama goes to Lowe's because she's decorating and, Dad goes to Home Depot, you know, because I'm going to get a truck full of junk, you know, and I'm going to build something out of it. So I invested in Home Depot. Um, everybody has a Gmail, you know, email account. Everybody has YouTube. So I, that was another one that I picked, um, you know, and and so I, I think, uh, you know, it, it, that was, I think it was Google was, was the, the third, you know, and so I thought just about what I knew in life. Every business runs on Microsoft applications, every PC or Mac, everybody's got Microsoft Office. So Microsoft was another one. So I picked out five companies just based on things I knew. I invested $100,000 in each. Five years later, it returned 2.5 million. It was a five times multiple of invested capital. And Not so bad. to translate that then to business, we have, you know, what I call the, the economic cycle, you know, so our you know, the world is a volatile place. You know, we, we have boom periods and then we have crashes and we've got recessions. And, you know, it's like this economic cycle. And if I want to avoid 
being killed as an entrepreneur, you know, think about it in terms of starting a business that addresses people's needs versus people's wants. And so the examples I give here, you know, I want, you know, mud tires for my monster truck. You know, I want, I want accessories. My wife wants a new outfit to go out, you know, to dinner on Friday night. It's our anniversary, you know, and, and then, uh, you know, it's like things that we want, if the economy goes south, we can delay our spending on wants almost indefinitely, if not permanently. If we, if we lose a job, if we don't have any money, we can just stop. We can yeah. want and dream, but we don't have to spend. Yeah. But if I, if I have something I need, then, you know, it's like no matter, even if I'm unemployed, at some level I got to eat, I need a place to live. It's like there are certain things, you know, needs that uh, that that we have to we have to pay for we have to we have to in order to survive and you so need I, that plumber we, you need we, that we, plumber we said when your toilet is clogged <laughs> you need that you plumber got, <laughs> you can't get that thing unclogged it's like you're gonna have to call the guy you know or the yeah. girl and the plumber's gonna come over and fix that and I, I, I was telling people it's like if there's a hole in my roof and there's water pouring on my head when it's raining outside I need to fix my roof, you know, yeah. whether I've got the money or not, I got to find a way to get it done. And so if we as a business owner focus on needs, not wants, then there's a much higher probability that we will not only be able to build a successful business in a boom time, but we'll limit the amount of downside yeah. risk in a recession. And so that makes us more insulated from the ups and downs of the economy. So if I'm starting from scratch, I want to focus on needs, not wants. Next up, though, Marty, recurrent revenue versus project-based revenue. So, you know, let's think about like a pest control company. So I live in Texas. Man, there are bugs here you could put saddles on and ride around on. You know, if I live in Florida, you got to put a bug net over your backyard. That's your first clue you need pest control. And so I, I acquire a customer. I sign a, a contract. And then if I own a pest control company every month on the first of the month, I'm hitting all my customers' credit cards. And so when I acquire a customer once, I get a recurrent revenue stream. It's a contracted revenue stream, and it's solid. And all I have to do is just manage those credit cards that expire, you know, or people change their numbers. You know, it's like a small yeah. percentage. But yeah. when I'm a project-based business, let's say I build pools, you know, then not only it's not it's it's, it's wants, not needs, but... You know, then in a, in a down economy, when I delay that spend, you know, and, and you know, it's like w once I find work hard to find that customer, I, I don't have a recurrent revenue stream. Maybe I would start a, a pool cleaning company or something, but a, a, you know, a project-based company has to acquire new customers every month. You know, every, right. after every project's done, it's like I'm back at square zero. I got to go out and find new customers, and that's a lot of marketing spend. That's a lot of advertising, you know, and things that I have to be very conscious of. So it's I nice. like to have some kind of a sticky revenue stream so that when I find a customer, I can keep them for a while. I've been yeah. living here in this house for three years, and I've had the same two pest control companies for three years. And, you know, it's like they, every month they hit me up, you know, they, they, they hit my card. You know, it's, I, don't, I don't have to worry about it. You know, it's like out of sight, out of mind. And yeah. it's like they just keep on charging. So we want yeah. needs, not wants. Recurrent is better than recurring, but I'll take recurring if I, because you can make yeah. a lot of money in recurring revenue companies too. Sure. You know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and then if finally it's like, you know, wants would be my least, you know, desirable, you know, path to, to, to finding success. But people do it every day. Oh, I'm yeah. just 
I'm trying to stack the odds. That's right. That's what we're doing. That's yeah. right. That's what we're trying to teach here. So you mentioned a couple of companies or a couple of industries, I should say. And you talk about in the book, obviously I'm in the beginning of the book. We're going to keep going, but we're, I'm kind of at the beginning because I'm, I'm at the foundational level. You mentioned building a business or an empire in a highly fragmented market. That's an important thought process too. So in my mind, do you agree? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the reason I talk about it early in the book is because I tell people we're never going to start a business without knowing at what point we're going to sell a business, you know, and and having a destination. So I, I, I'm a pilot. You can you can see me flying some airplanes up there over my over my uh, fireplace here. There you go. But 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 it, you know, a pilot never takes off without knowing where they're going. I, I mean, and then once I know where I'm going, I can deconstruct the the trip. How much fuel do I need? What are the alternate airports? What's the weather going to be like in route? What time am I leaving? What time am I landing? You know, it's like I can I can plan for that that journey. Too t- you know, too often, you know, Marty. Not, not only do entrepreneurs start businesses, they don't have their unit level economics right. They potentially aren't focused on needs. They don't have recurrent revenue streams figured out. But they don't know what they're building to. You know, they have no idea where the destination is going to ultimately take them. And so, I'm always focused on. What is the destination that I've got in mind? At what point am I going to build and then monetize the company for the first yeah. time? Another concept, you know, it's like so many entrepreneurs out there think that that selling a business is kind of a one and done event. I'm going to build something. Eventually, I'm going to sell it, monetize it. And I, and I tell people, why sell a great company once when you can sell it twice or more? You know, and a lot of entrepreneurs, the arrogance of success, you know, creeps in and they're like, if I'm not the, the, the controlling shareholder, I don't want to work with a partner or anybody else. I'm God's gift to plumbing. You know, and so if, if, I, if I don't have control, I don't want to be associated. And I, I, I think about the world's wealthiest man. And I think about Jeff Bezos and the fact that he only owns, you know, 12% of Amazon. So he's a minority shareholder, and he's the world's richest dude. And if it works, okay. if it worked for him, it can work for you too. You know, and and you can keep on yeah. going and get multiple bites of the apple, get wealth. You know, get get, get some wealth yeah. off the table. So yeah. many different lessons to be to be learned, and I I, I try to pack it all in about a five hour read. As yeah. always, yeah. Cliff Notes. Well, again, in the fragmented, it's there's a gazillion plumbers, there's a gazillion landscapers, right? Yeah, I didn't answer the question. So the why That's behind okay. it, the why behind fragmentation is at some point I am going to sell this business. At some point as I'm building that empire, maybe it's not the first sale where I start doing M&A, maybe it's the second sale. But I want a highly fragmented industry, and that means an industry that has so many companies in it, there aren't possibly enough buyers to buy them all. And there that creates what I'll call the permanent buyer's market for me. You know, So if I use like my HVAC company as a, a prime example, HVAC, highly fragmented, tens of thousands of H, HVAC companies out there, I buy 23 and I put them together. And each of those 23, I paid on average around five times for five times their, their EBITDA, five times their earnings before they buy stuff. That's what EBITDA is. And, and so, you know, in a highly fragmented industry, there's not enough buyers. The multiples that we pay stay, stay low. They're one of the 33 million small companies. And as yeah. I'm building and I'm putting them together, 
I'm climbing up the PE pyramid, I call it. And as my company gets bigger, there's only 3,000 companies on the planet that have a billion dollars in revenue. So 33 million just in this country at the bottom, only 3,000 in the world with a billion in revenue at the top. And as I'm getting bigger, the value that I can sell my company for or the multiple of earnings goes up exponentially. And so larger companies are rare. So if I focus on fragmented industries, I can buy a lot of small companies relatively cheap. I can combine them as a part of my growth strategy as I'm scaling my empire. And then when I, it's time to sell it the next time, you know, at the second rest stop on the wealth creation highway, I now get a lot more for each dollar of earnings because the larger company is rare and therefore trades at a, at a much higher multiple. Yeah. So fragmentation in, here again, we're stacking the deck. Needs, Correct. not wants, recurrent revenue, you know, we know our unit level economics. We passed the 30-20-10 rule. We've blown through where only 7% of entrepreneurs tread. We've got over a million. We blow through where only 4% of those have tread. We got over 10 million. At some point, we're going to monetize that asset. And at some point, we're going to start buying other companies as a part of our growth strategy. The fragmentation almost guarantees that we're yeah. going to get a high return for our investment and our time. And, and I have been around companies, and you have been around companies where you were part of them, uh, even, not even PE-backed, but an entrepreneur will buy, will buy a, an adjacent business, a business that relates to it. They may build a little empire, let's call it a little empire, as that grows. And if they get their unit pricing and if they get recurring income, they've got a nice little business. So that keeps growing. So we have to talk about, okay, so you've reached some level of success You've come to somebody like Marty Wolf, who said you should think about selling this business in three to five years, and let's prep you for that. Yeah. And and oftentimes, as you point out regularly, since you had some success, private equity is often an answer. <laughs> so so talk to me about that. Give me the overview. And before you even go any further, I'm embarrassed to say we should tell people who you are again and give them your website. So this is Adam E. Coffee, and uh, what's the best place to reach you, Adam? Well, LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn every day and I, I try to be very responsive, but they can go to my website, adamecoffee.com. If you're interested in seminars you know, or coaching, it's adamcoffee.com. And uh, people who reach out to me on LinkedIn, I, I try to be as responsive as I, as I can. I'm on there all the time. So yeah. and I, and I love is, hearing from people. Yes, coffee is C-O-F-F-E-Y, C-O-F-F-E-Y. Okay, so what did I just ask you? Okay, private equity you're deeply experienced in that. What do you want to tell us? Uh, again, I could ask a zillion questions. I'll let you lead. Sure. That. Yeah. Well, so let's just start by every time I do a seminar, every time I'm, I'm, I'm teaching or, or working with a big group of people and I'm talking about private equity, first thing I do is just establish how much of an expert the room is not. And so I'll give a basic 10 question quiz, multiple choice, Every question asked is like not a trick question. It's simple. It's basic. All questions answered in my first book, The Private Equity Playbook. And I'm telling you, Marty, to this day, you know, that 90% of the room, if I give that test, 90% of the room fail. They fail miserably. Uh, when people pass, they generally get a six out of 10. Well, when I was growing up, that was a D, you know, so that's, that's barely skating through by your hair, your chinny, chin, chin. And, and so I, I, I established that most people, although we've heard the term, 
we really just don't even have a basic understanding of I what agree. private equity is and, and, and why it works. And what, why is that important if I'm a business owner? Well, first of all, private equity buys more than 50% of all companies that are bought and sold on the planet. So high probability that private equity is going to be my buyer and or a private equity backed strategic, which means a company already owned by private equity that's yeah. rolling up an industry and is targeting to buy my business. And, and so I need to know who these people are and what this is all about, because you know, at, at, at now more than six trillion in assets under management, if private equity were a country, it would have the second largest GDP in the world. And right. uh, you know, it buys 50% of all companies sold. But it's also the world's largest source of non-bank debt. So if I'm an entrepreneur that wants to scale and my local bank is telling me no, you know, where am I going to get the capital that I need for expansion or to grow? You know, well, it probably is coming from a private equity fund that also also does lending, you know, to uh, to other other companies. And so, yes. you know, it's like we really need to understand how this capital works because it's become such a huge economic force. If not for private equity, we as entrepreneurs would not get anywhere near the amount of money that we get when we sell a company today. You know, we would have yeah. to find, you know, that plumber, that HVAC person would have to find another HVAC person or plumber who's younger, you know, who wants to take over my company because the market just wouldn't exist in the way and fashion that it exists today. So this yeah. is something we all need to really understand and and what the, the more we understand how it works and what its needs are, the more we can manipulate that $6 trillion in assets under management. We there can feed it what it wants, which is returns for its shareholders, and take from it what we want, which is wealth creation for our families. Yes. So many people are afraid. They hear those phrases. I mean, you know, my responsibility to my clients is that they, and they are smaller companies, you know, they're anywhere from 5 to $20 million. But they hear the words private equity and they just freak out. But they don't know anything. So my responsibility is to share uh, as many options as possible. Um, Adam, we can't possibly cover everything in the book. I, I, I wish we had two hours. But here's, here's what I'm going to say is my part of the wrap-up, and then I'll ask you to wrap up. Um, Adam has written three books that are very easy reads. If you... No matter who you are, what stage of life and stage of your business is in, you should read all three. So Adam E. Coffee is at .com is his website. You can find him on LinkedIn. You need to follow Adam. But the books, get the books, read the books, and you will be more prepared, A, to build a better, stronger company, and then be prepared when you, and you will exit someday, some way. You will exit. <laughs> yes. uh, you know the saying, with your Guaranteed. boots on or not, right? Yes. So so with all that being said, Adam, um, just great books, great work. Thank you for what you're doing for entrepreneurs. But again, we can't cover everything. But how would you like to close um, the, something that I didn't ask you? There's a million things that I wanted to. I have three pages here, but I could go on, but I don't want well, to do that. Well, you know, Marty, all I'm, all I'm going to say is, look, over my career, 35 some odd years in, in business, you know, I, I've worked for some of the legends like Jack Welsh. You know, I, I've built three national companies. I've sold them multiple times, billions in exits. I've been blessed and I decided, you know, to uh, make a pivot and to try to be a resource that I didn't have 35 years ago and to yeah. try to be helpful and impactful to 
entrepreneurs who are out there who are struggling to find, you know, to find profitability in business. They're struggling to build those empires. And that's what my, my, my books and my teaching and the reason I do these podcasts, something else most people don't know, I donate 100% of my book royalties to, to charity. So that's hundreds of thousands of dollars that I donate to charity. It was never about money for me. I've already made mine, you know, if you will. Um, yeah. And so I'm here, I'm dedicating the rest of my career to helping entrepreneurs learn how to succeed. And it should not be the mystery that it is today. So engage, follow, and uh, I'll be happy to show you the way. It doesn't have to be. Even if you're the one truck guy, you're starting out, it doesn't have to be that difficult. Yes, it might be challenging. Nothing is easy. But if you have the roadmap or the design or the processes and all this kind of thing that Adam talks about in his book, you can do it. You can build it to what you want it to be. As long as you stay healthy and strong, take care of yourself, take care of your family, everything will come together. So, Adam Coffey, thank you so much for what you're doing for all of us entrepreneurs and for being part of the Business Builder Show one more time. Marty, I appreciate you, and thank you to all your listeners out there. Thank you for listening to The Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com.